Welcome to today's episode of The Graveyard Shift. Welcome back for our third and maybe final season. I would, I hope it's the final season because we're graduating. Yay! So um, as long as we all graduate, this will be, unfortunately, the last season of The Graveyard Shift. At WECB, at least. Yes. Um, and in honor of us all having to move out soon, we decided to... Do this episode on killer roommates. Yes. It was Caroline's idea, but Caroline could not be with us today, unfortunately. So it'll just be me and Natalia for today. Yeah, because I'm her roommate and I killed her. So, period. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Should I start since I have-, have. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Period. Okay. Well, the first person I'm going to talk about is Jameson Bachman. And he was on the Netflix show Worst Roommate Ever. Um, but that show was really drawn out and unnecessary, so don't bother <laughs> watching that. I'm just as reliable. So he's known as a serial squatter. They start off like all the documentaries and articles talking about how trustworthy he was, but then they do the thing where halfway through the thing the tone switches and everyone's like, we actually hated him. So <laughs> I don't think he was that trustworthy. Uh-huh. Um, someone in high school said that they hated him and then provided this article with his yearbook quote from senior year that says, fools say that they learn by experience. I prefer to profit by others' experiences. And then they were like, that's a good question. And they were like, we should have known he was going to be a serial squatter right then and there. Serial squatter, that's the word, right? Yeah. So, um, he blames his, uh, What's the word? I guess personality disorder on <laughs> when he went to Tulane, one of his friends was murdered right in front of him at oh, a frat event. Uh, I think it was like it was like a frat breakfast. It wasn't even like a hazing, but the guy just got stabbed because they disagreed on like, oh, no, uh, breakfast etiquette. What a way to go out, honestly. But yeah, geez. that happened. And I guess that's his reason for everything that comes next. So there's like a million documents of how brilliant this guy is. He was like mentioned in a New York magazine. He went to graduate school at Georgetown. His professors talk about how smart he was. 
Um, after he graduated Georgetown, he went to Israel for like several years and didn't come back until he was 45. He went to law school right after that, but he took his bar exam once in 2003, failed, and then gave up forever. So he, uh, because of this, he knew all the ins and outs of like tenancy laws, uh, and he figured out a way to never pay rent. Hmm. So every time he would like move in with people, he found legal loopholes and was able to like escape eviction every time. He went by Jed Creek and said that he was a lawyer who was looking for a place for him and his dogs to stay just for a month or two. And he would always pay the first month's rent up front. So the first time he did this, it was with a girl he was seeing. He asked if he could stay with her for two months and then move out. He gave her the first month's rent. But he ended up staying for four years. And in that time, he only paid the very first month's rent. Uh, They ended up getting to an argument. She was like, you have to pay some bills if you're going to live here rent free. Um, And he attempted to choke her. Oh, So she escaped, um, went and filed an eviction notice. Um, So he was getting kicked out. And so then he went to the police and said that she tried to attack him with a knife. So she was not allowed back at her own home. So he was now in the home. She wasn't allowed back in. And while she was gone, he took all of her pets to kill shelters. No, that is so messed up. So that happened. And I, they never really went on to explain what, why he ends up leaving. I think he just wants something new or maybe she figured it out, got him out. But then for the next seven years, he would do the same thing up and down the East coast. Um, he used, like, a lot of big lawyer terms, they claimed, but they weren't that big. It was, like, covenant of quiet enjoyment and warranty of habitability. So, like, whenever someone tried to evict him, he would be like, well, this place isn't cleanly enough for me to be paying rent and, like, oh. pull that excuse. Okay. Um. So, and he apparently didn't even need the money. People <laughs> claimed he just liked making people uncomfortable. Like, that was his thing. Jeez. Which, good for him. Sounds like a really nice guy. Yeah. And in 2017, he moved into Alex Miller's house, and they became friends. Uh, He paid the first month's rent up front, as usual. And during the first month, she texted him and was like, hey, uh, can you just Venmo me for half the utility bill? I don't know if Venmo was a thing back then. Yeah. Whatever. (laughs) Um, And he just texted back, we can handle this in court. He was like, (laughs) um, what? So dramatic. So not only did he refuse to pay rent for the next few months, he started just being overall weird. He stole her light bulbs and moved all of her dining chairs into his room to make a desk. Or at least that's what he said he was using them for. All right. So Miller started doing some research on him and quickly discovered that he is not Jed Creek and found out his real name, Jameson Bachman. Um, and so as anyone would do I guess she just threw a huge house party she didn't say anything <laughs> to him. she threw a huge party and put it on Facebook as a send off party for the serial squatter Jameson Bachman put it on Facebook she put pictures of all the people that she let that he like victimized all over the house like plastered them on all the walls and blasted rap music because she knew he hated rap music until he got so mad that he dumped like dirty cat litter all over the bathroom and just stormed out that is such a good idea of yeah. her to do. Well, he came back the next morning and stabbed her, but oh. Um, that did happen. She lived. It was just in the well, thigh. It was a good idea in theory. So, Too bad he's crazy. Uh, he got arrested for stabbing her, obviously, um, and his brother Harry bailed him out right after. And 
So like the next week he was picking him and Alex met at a police station to drop off his things so he could just grab them and go. And uh, he threatened to kill her again. So he went right back to jail immediately after. And once again, Harry bailed him out. Um, And then he tried to live with Harry. But Harry's wife was like, no, not a chance. That's not happening. Yeah. And so Harry and his wife were going out of town. They were meeting at some hotel or something in the next town over. And he never showed. And she called the police and was like, can you go check on him? And they found his dead body in the basement. Um, And so, yeah, they were able to prove that it was uh, Jameson Bachman. He was arrested, but he never made it to the trial because he killed himself in December of 2017. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Wow. So the serial squatter, I guess, I don't know, the the idea of squatter's rights really confuses me a lot of the times. I mean, I don't know how they really work, but I know they're a thing in a lot of places where a squatter can, like, it happens in Airbnbs pretty often, right? Where I honestly don't do that much research into squatter's. No, yeah, I was just, I was just curious. Like, I've I've heard that happening in Airbnbs where people rent out the house and then they just stay after, and because of some sort of squatters' rights, the the Airbnb owner can't kick them out. Maybe um, I should do that for the summer. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great idea. That's that's one way to solve a housing. Uh, Solve homelessness. Solve homelessness. Squatting. Yeah. Did I just solve homelessness right now? Maybe. Okay. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure plenty of people are squatting right now. I don't know. I, <laughs> Thank you. I don't know what I, I feel I was much to say better now. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? We might have squatters in our apartments. Maybe we could. Did you ever see that movie, The Boy? Actually, no. Do you care if I spoil it for you right now? I don't mind. Okay, good. I was going to do it anyway. So the <laughs> whole thing is basically... I'm. This is the only type of like squatter I fear. Um, but, oh, yeah. The rest of them are harmless. <laughs> exactly. But So she has this doll that was like this little boy's doll um, who lived there but died a long time ago. Um, and she gets hired to babysit the doll. Like she thinks she's babysitting a little boy and she goes and they're like, it's just a doll. And they said, I'm like, you need to take care of me. You need to do this at this hour. And so she starts to think the doll is possessed because a bunch of weird stuff starts happening. And like it's moving from room to room. Things are breaking when like she doesn't feed it on time or tuck it in or tell it stories <laughs> and stuff. I and tend so- to break things when people don't <laughs> read me bedtime stories too. Yeah, understandable. <laughs> but then... uh she gets really attached to the doll like she thinks it's her child at a certain point and then her abusive ex-boyfriend comes and is like you're attached to a doll now um and he shatters the doll she's like oh my god my child is dead and then this like 40 year old man busts out the wall because he it was the kid he never died he was living in the walls and moving the doll oh god that is so nasty they had an episode of like episode of that in uh, Supernatural where someone was living in the walls and they thought it was a ghost. Ew, I don't like that what, at all. Ugh. So, But that's not real, right? Or I, mean, I wonder if it's happened. I'll do some research. Maybe it's a spinoff of something that actually happened. You also have a story from the the from the what's the show called? Uh, bad Room or 
the worst roommate worst roommate one insensitive name for a show that talks about like people who were murdered yeah <laughs> i think i think worst roommate is sort of playing it off a little bit i know i thought it was gonna be a comedy documentary and then i clicked on it and was like <laughs> oh my god yeah no um i did do someone from that show and i did do a lot of my research from that episode it's the first episode um of the first season i think there's only one season though Actually, I don't know. But anyway, this is the story about Dorothea Puente. Uh, So (laughs) this took place in Sacramento, California, the capital of California, if you did not know. I know you know because you're from California. I Um, always know, but (laughs) now I know. So in 1988 in Sacramento, people were buying houses left and right. It was a pretty popular place to start settling down for younger families, except in this one neighborhood, which I um, don't remember the name of. But anyway, there were a bunch of there was a big homeless problem in this neighborhood. And um, so the city implemented this program uh, with this group called Volunteers of America. And it was a homeless initiative to sort of get people off the streets and house them and Um, just offer them services that weren't otherwise available Um, and this is where this man named his full name is Alvaro Gonzalez Montoya uh, but people who knew him called him Bert he went by Bert Um, he was really friendly he was he was a homeless man in the Sacramento area and he was harmless he he was never a drug addict um he was homeless because he had some uh, mental illness issues. Um, so he was born in Costa Rica and moved to the U.S. with his family when he was 16. And that's around when he started to develop some schizophrenia um, and other mental illnesses. What age? 16. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so he was at a detox uh, clinic, even though he was never an addict of drugs or alcohol or anything, um, but he said that it was better than going to a boarding home for, um, you know, uh, mentally ill homeless people. I guess the detox house was a little nicer. Um, so he was working with this um, social worker, and she was looking around for places to put him. Um, you know, she asked him what area would he like to be in? What sort of people does he like? She was really trying to make sure he was put in a home that was a good fit for him. Um, and by many people, Dorothea Puente was recommended. She was known in the area to take people in and take care of them. And um, she was very uh, charitable. She volunteered a lot and she donated money and clothes and food. And um, she was known to just give away food and feed people who needed to be fed. Um, So she was really well-liked and revered by her community. Um, And she also boarded some people like Bert. Um, So she had this house. She lived on the top floor and they lived on the bottom floor. Um, And at the time, there was another man living with her in the house. His name was John Sharp. and when the social worker came to check out the place uh john was like yeah no she's great i really recommend her she feeds me really well she takes care of me you know 10 out of 10 come stay here um so 
Dorothea, she claims to be independently wealthy, whatever that means. So, you know, that's why she's sort of shady. Okay. Shady. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, since Bert doesn't have, so most of the pay, she, I mean, she did take payment for this boarding service that she offered, um, but it was mostly, you know, it was really low rates because the people that she would board didn't really, didn't have an income or much to their name. So, um, but she would take payment in the form of their social security checks or welfare checks. Um, so she offered to be Bert's payee for his social security checks because he didn't have family in the country and um, there was no one else to do it. So she offered to take his checks. <laughs> um, nice. How nice of her. Um, so for the first few months, Bert was actually loving it there. The social worker would call. The social worker's name is Julie. I did not write down her last name. I'm so sorry about that. Um, so she would call often. She'd chicken on him and he was good. And then a few months later, she calls in again and Dorothea answers and she's like, yeah, no, Bert's in Mexico with my brother. They're actually at a party. Um, he'll be back in like a week. Um, and so the social worker, Julie, was like, that's fishy. That's not like him. He wouldn't do that. So she's like, okay, well, if he's not there on Monday, I'm going to call the police and file a missing persons report. Okay. Um, and then on Monday, when the social worker gets into her office, um, this man named Don Anthony calls her and says, you know, Bird isn't there anymore. Uh, his family came to pick him up, um, which is even fishier because his family did not know where he was at the time um so she doesn't believe it she asked john sharp the other resident um who she spoke to before Bert got there and uh john says yeah no he's not here he went to mexico oh wait no he's not here and no one went to mexico <laughs> um so oh and then he also adds this is creepy he says she's been digging a lot of holes um oh yeah just a nice uh little piece of information was she boarding more than one person at once or was it just him i think she was i mean i think she was boarding up to three people at once um but john had just been there for a while i guess she decided not to kill him yet but okay oh yeah spoiler alert this is about a murder or um so i'll get into a little bit about dorothea herself so she was born Dorothea Gray in 1929. Uh, she had a little bit of a hard young life. Both of her parents died when she was pretty young. Um, and her criminal life started in 1948 when she was convicted of writing and cashing forged checks. Um, then later in the 1950s, she was working as a prostitute and then became a madame. madam. Um, and she was sent to jail for a little bit for that. Um, and then later... In the 1980s, she was caught for something a little bit bigger. So she just keeps ramping up her crimes until it gets real bad. Um, so she met this man, Malcolm McKenzie, um, she, in Southern California. She picked him up at a bar. They had a couple drinks, and then he took her back to his place. Um, but when they got home, all of a sudden he was like, OMG, I can't move. I, I'm, like, paralyzed. Um but he could see what was going on and he was just watching her like rob him pretty much um so you know she drugged him and robbed him um 
Wait, and left. she didn't kill him? No, she did not kill him. Um, he reported it to the police afterwards and she was arrested. Um, at the same time, she was posing as a doctor and she was taking care of like elderly women um, and doing the same thing that she did to Malcolm McKenzie where she was drugging them and then robbing them. Um, so for that, she spent five years in prison. Um, after she got out of prison, she met this woman named Ruth Monroe, who was a pharmacist and a mother. Um, she met Dorothea through her boyfriend who met her at, so Dorothea was a waitress and he met her at the restaurant that she worked at and they became friends. Um, and then Dorothea and Ruth opened a restaurant together because Ruth was sort of rich and they liked each other, I guess. And, um... But the thing is, uh, Dorothea kept asking for more and more money. She's like, yeah, no, it's not doing well. Can I have more money? And Ruth kept giving it to her until eventually Ruth moved in with Dorothea because um, her boyfriend got diagnosed with cancer and she didn't want to live alone. Um, but lo and behold, um, Ruth ends up dying. So, you know, like of mysterious causes, sort of it was. No, yeah, definitely under mysterious causes because so from the perspective of Ruth's son, he would he came in to visit three days in a row on her last, you know, last three days she was alive. And he said she was like drinking, even though she for for her whole life, she had been allergic to alcohol. She's never drank alcohol in her life. But those last three days she was having drinks and they were being prepared by Dorothea. Um, And then on the last day. You know, she was asleep in the bed um, and she she was still alive, but she couldn't speak or move. And um, the next morning, Dorothea called the family and was like, yeah, Ruth died. Um, and that was it. Uh, and then she, uh, the family came around and picked up Ruth's stuff and her purse was empty. And she's like, yeah, no, she gave me all her stuff. Um which is weird, obviously. Yeah. Um, and in the autopsy, she had a lot of drugs in her system. Um, but uh, Dorothea said that Ruth killed herself, which is such baloney. Anyway, um, when she was released in prison before this whole Ruth situation, it, she was released in 1985, and that's when she started taking in tenants but she was actually prohibited to do so from by her parole um but she did it anyway uh, and she got away with it because she had been married four times by then so she had all sorts of different last names in the system or whatever and it was the 80s they didn't have the best mm-hmm. records um so nobody noticed anything was wrong until 1988 um when the missing persons file when the missing persons report was filed for Bert. Um, so the police came to the house. They started questioning everyone in the house. They're like, so where did Bert go? They all said he left for Mexico. You know, they stuck to the, to the story, except John Sharp, he slipped the cops a note and the note said verbatim, she wants me to lie to you. Um, so they took him in for questioning and, uh, he said that she asked all of them to lie because she was afraid of going to prison. Um, so on that first visit, 
she she knew that they were onto her a little bit so instead she decided to like confess to one of the lesser crimes that she was currently committing which was um violating her parole by hosting or by boarding people Mm -hmm. um so when they searched the house there were like little blue pills everywhere which ended up being like sleeping disorder medication so that was also fishy and then the the detectives were like hey do you mind if we dig around in your yard a little bit and she's like yeah sure (laughs) and then they start digging three holes um and it was really weird because she was watching them from the window um of the second floor balcony just like looking at them dig up her yard so they start finding random stuff they start finding pieces of garbage just like pieces of cloth some leather until eventually they find a femur bone um and which is attached to other bones because it's a skeleton of a person that is dead oh damn yeah and the leather that they found was actually human flesh um that had come off of the uh, bones uh yeah anyway so obviously Dorothea was questioned for that. How were, like, many bodies so, did they find? Sorry, are you getting there? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'm, I'm almost, I'm, I'm getting there. Um, but so they take her in for questioning, and she's pretty much just like pretty. She's flat. She's emotionless, but she denies everything. She doesn't really answer their questions, um, and she was not shaken by the, the questioning at all. Um, so while they're, you know, her whole house, whole house is a crime scene at this point because they're digging up bodies and stuff. They'd found three by then. And, um, but they hadn't charged her with anything. So she was at the house and she asked the detectives, like, can I like go meet my nephew for coffee around the corner? Cause like, I'm not under arrest or anything. Right. So they let her go and get coffee. Um, but while she's gone, they find a whole leg, like with like a pretty fresh leg, um, buried in the yard Just by itself well the leg is attached to the rest of a body actually but at first they just find the leg um and so they're like okay yeah um somebody go get her she's dancing like a stripper like she that didn't, <laughs> that didn't make any sense i had to say it though um so i mean anyway <laughs> um you derailed my whole train of thought <laughs> i'm so sorry <laughs> i derailed my own train of thought okay back back on track so they're like okay where did she go she needs to come back here because we gotta arrest her um but she obviously fled when she said she was gonna go get coffee she she was lying believe it or not she was lying yes believe it um uh and so yeah the the body that they found you know attached to the pretty fresh leg it's a huge it's a really big body and it turns out to be Bert. Um, who had only been missing for a few weeks at this point. Um, so, <laughs> actually, the, these are a couple things that they found in the house when they were doing, like, a really thorough search. Um, on her calendar, she wrote, like, the day that Bert supposedly left, she wrote, Bert left. Um, like, it's she really thought she was being slick with that because she's like oh they're gonna look at my calendar and they're gonna see that Bert left and they're gonna believe me um but obviously that wasn't very successful um she also pretended to be older than she was so that people wouldn't be like intimidated by her or suspect her of things so she was actually like 15 years younger than she said she was she just looked older and how old was she saying she was she was saying she was in her 70s, but she was really in her 50s. 
Um, so she wasn't this frail old lady. She just aged badly. Um, and, um, yeah, when they, there was like double carpets in the kitchen and the one underneath had all sorts of fluids and stuff on it. Uh, and she also had a bunch of lye laying around, which is like, I, I mean, I know it cause it's, um, anytime you have to bury a pet or something, you put some down so that animals don't get to it or I don't know, something like that. But it's, for, it's a fishy substance if mm-hmm. you're just to have lying around in your house if you don't have a reason um so she fled to la and she was actually caught at a bar someone recognized her and they're like hey police get over here this crazy old lady's here so she was caught flown back to sacramento and um by the end of the investigation seven bodies were found in her yard seven um so she was put on trial obviously um, she was charged with nine murders because there were two before the whole tenant thing even started. Mm-hmm. Um, her story, her defense was that um, they died in their sleep and so she had to bury them and she didn't say anything because she was on parole and she didn't want to get in trouble. Um, which managed to convince one person on the jury. Um, so she was found guilty and served life for felt life without parole but she was only charged with three of the nine murders because that one juror didn't like still believed her or didn't think she was guilty um so she was only charged with three uh but i mean she ended up dying in prison in 2011 and um that's the end of the story the most shocking part about that to me is that like the social workers were actually doing their job. Oh yeah, yeah. In, in all my experience with social workers, like as soon as they hear an excuse that they can pretend they can believe, they'll be like, "Yep, okay, yeah, sounds yeah. good, checks out." No, definitely. I feel like because during the during the episode, the a lot of the narrative um, story was told by the social worker, and you could she she just felt. You could tell she felt so guilty about it. And she said for a long time she thought she felt, you know, that it was her fault to a degree because she put him there. Um, Obviously, it's not her fault. Like, how could she have known that Dorothea was a crazy whack job murder old lady who's not really that old? Um, So, yeah, that was really sad. And um, she really did care a lot about, I mean, definitely Bert and just about what she was doing so that that part really that was pretty sad um because she did she did a great job she was great at her job and it's not her fault that some people are murderers yeah well that's depressing (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) for some reason I like can imagine Kathy Bates playing that no yeah that Kathy Bates would be good at that. I think Kathy Bates is just good at creepy roles. She's just been typecasted since Misery. Yeah, but she was good at it, so yeah, I support her. <laughs> um, all right, I have one more, but it's less of a roommate and more of a supernatural thing. Okay. So, have you heard the actual story of Annabelle? Like, not the movies. Um. Can you not take the <laughs> real while I'm trying to break it down for you? Jesus Christ. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, yeah, I've heard of Annabelle. You didn't even put me in it. Jeez. Yes, you are in it. 
No, I'm not going to check right now. I want to know why, because I'm a professional. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, why don't you talk about Annabelle then, you professional? <laughs> Thank you, and I will. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, I've heard the story from you, or parts of the story from you. But yeah, I, I found the, the like full thing. Okay. Okay. Today, when I was doing all my last minute research before Love to coming hear about here. it. So, obviously, the movie wasn't really based on a real story. There was Annabelle, and then... The way Annabelle started off was with, like, people going to the Warrens with this doll. Mm -hmm. Um, Or maybe that was the end credit scene. But those people were based on the actual owners of Annabelle. Mm -hmm. So a mom gave this to her 28-year-old daughter, who was a nursing student. um, And she bought it from a hobby store in 1970. So it was a Raggedy Ann doll. It wasn't actually a porcelain doll, but it was like a huge Raggedy Ann doll. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were the first people to own it because they didn't make that type of Raggedy Ann doll before 1970. So it was very unlikely that someone kept it for like a month, got it all demonic, and then handed it back, you know? <laughs> so came demonic, factory made. Yes. Demonic. And why was this mom buying her 28-year-old daughter a that's doll? That's what, yeah, That's no, the creepiest part of this. That doll. does creep me out. Like, I actually... I feel like that might be something my mom my mom has a weird thing with dolls like creepy dolls she loves them so she just has a bunch of them laying around the house so this anyway could be you so this could be me um so mom please don't give me a weird creepy uh haunted doll anyway and she was a nursing student like if my nurse pulled up and i knew she had a weird <laughs> doll fetish i would i wouldn't trust her. i would choose death at that point sorry not the point so <laughs> maybe there, she practiced like medicine on Annabelle. On a raggedy adult, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a theory. <laughs> but so, well, now you have me all off my game. I'm sorry. After that, be real. Fiasco. <laughs> so, Donna had a roommate named Angie. They were like best friends, and Angie had a fiance named Lou. Um, and they began to notice that the doll would move like ever so slightly when they came back home, just a little bit, like angles and stuff, to the point where you could probably be like. Oh, maybe like a breeze knocked it over. Maybe just something moved, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after a bit, it became super noticeable because the doll would just completely move rooms. And it would be in rooms and the door would suddenly be shut even though they left it open. And um, sometimes it would be like its legs would be crossed, its arms would be crossed, sometimes standing. And apparently the creepiest time was when they caught her kneeling which I'm not sure if you've ever heard, seen a Raggedy Ann doll, but it doesn't have joints. It's pretty so raggedy. how did that happen? Yeah. You know? So, Ugh. they didn't really report the paranormal activity for a little bit. Um, they also claimed that, I think this happened later on. I think they got a media before this happened. They didn't put it on the timeline. But Donna claimed that she would come home and find, like, penciled messages that was written like it was a child. And it would be on parchment paper, which they didn't own parchment paper. Um, And it would say stuff like, help us, help Lou. Lou was Angie's fiance. So horrifying. Um, And she called a medium. I'm pretty sure she called the medium after the little letters. But unclear. So she called the medium uh, when she came home and found that the doll was covered in blood. Had no idea where the blood came from. Mm. So this was about like four to six weeks after the start of the paranormal activity. So they were going through this for like that long. Um, so the medium found the spirit or whatever and introduced it to the girls. It was the spirit of a seven-year-old girl named Annabelle who allegedly played on the field that Donna and Angie's apartment now stood on. Um, and apparently they also found her dead body on that field. Oh. 
Some people say like she was hit by an automobile on the street next to it. Some people say she was down the field. Ed Warren has actually said both. So people like claim he's lying because <laughs> he can't keep his story straight or whatever. Yeah. Um, so at this point, when they found out it was a little girl um, who just wanted to play or whatever, the two nursing students felt bad. And so they were like, you know what? We're going to give this spirit permission to continue possessing the doll and let's bring it back into our house. Even though it was what? like kind of threatening the one girl's fiance. Um, whatever. Girl. So come on. Get there's also more discrepancies in the story that Ed keeps in his demonology book versus what Ed said in the eighties. Um, one thing is the automobile thing. Another thing is, uh, the ages were different. Like the girl is seven in the demonology book six when he gives the tours. Um, some people say she got the dolls, a Christmas present. Some say as a birthday present, it doesn't really matter. Mm hmm. She got the girl. I don't. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Yeah, but um, where it really hit rock bottom was Lou. He heard a noise from Donna's room. Lou hated the doll from the very beginning. He was like, "You guys need to throw that out. That's freaky. I do not like that." Um, and so him and the doll were like beefing really bad. Um, and so the doll didn't like him either. Hence the notes. So he goes into the room, sees that the doll is now on the floor. And he looks up, and then he feels like something's watching him from behind. He turns around and then feels seven claw marks go across his chest. And he had marks from it, and it, like, burned, and he said he felt like his heart stopped, Aww. and, like, other people saw the claw marks. Um, and apparently it healed within two days, which is another reason they think it was, like, supernatural. So that's when they called Ed and Lorraine Warren. Ed later revealed that it wasn't the spirit of a child, but it was a demon impersonating a child, which is like classic every supernatural show you've <laughs> ever seen. Like Supernatural had come out back then. They would have oh. been just fine. Yep. But not the point. <laughs> uh, so how Donna got in contact with the Warrens is she contacted a priest named Father Hegan who contacted his superior and then he got in trouble. Got in trouble? He got in touch with Ed and Lorraine Warren. And then they did an exorcism, exorcism of the apartment and blessed the individuals there. And the Warrens took the doll. Um, the doll is still, like, deeply haunted. Apparently, when Ed was giving a tour, uh, a young man started to, like, mock the doll. Him and his girlfriend came on his little motorcycle or whatever. And he was just being a jerk. And he was tapping the glass and challenging Annabelle being like put scratches on me like you did to Lou if you're real um and so Egg Ed kicked out the man from the museum because of his irrational behavior mm -hmm. and three hours later uh he was found dead when he lost control of his motorcycle with his girlfriend on um Ooh. his girlfriend survived she was hospitalized for over a year but she survived Jeez. um he did not make it well but yeah that's the true story of Annabelle Jeez. Yeah, no. I just like why would you antagonize the possible demon doll? Also, if the doll is threatening your fiance, why yeah. would you You're like actually you're cool. <laughs> Don't actually, worry about him. I'm going to prioritize the spirit of this 7-year-old. She's a girl's girl. She's a girl's girl. Yeah. Yeah, I have to accept that. <laughs> but um fun fact, Annabelle is like one of the two most haunted dolls in the country. Yeah. The most haunted doll is um, 
Robert the doll. I've That's never heard of him. Robert the doll. <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently he's super haunted and he looks super creepy. But he's located in um, Florida in one of the islands I'm totally Key West. Key West. Key West. Yeah, that's where he is. Um, and his story is that some kid named Eugene was like inseparable from the doll. Um, and his parents thought that Eugene was talking to the doll and doing voices for the doll, but then they realized that the doll was talking to the son. Oh, um, gross. Passerbys would see the doll watching them from the window. <laughs> and the parents claimed that they saw Robert running from room to room and giggling. It's horrifying. Like the doll was running from room yeah, to room. Yeah, apparently. And apparently whenever something bad happened, like Eugene the son would be like, Robert did it. Robert <laughs> is actually what Chucky is based off of. Oh, okay. So I guess that would have been a better opener. But <laughs> not the point. Um, when I was 15 or 16, I went to Key West and I went to see Robert the doll. Um, and because I was a little asshole uh -huh. I was in there with this whole tour group and there was this little kid standing next to me and I turned to him and I was like hey hey I don't know if this is a big deal but Robert just told me you're gonna die tonight I don't what? know why I did it <laughs> Jordan that is so messed I was up I was possessed it was Robert <laughs> maybe you were just being a little ass Robert did it okay but here's the thing. <laughs> did Robert really do it? He did do it. And <laughs> the worst part is the kid didn't even flinch. Oh, maybe he, he just, was possessed by Robert. Maybe. But he went, oh, really? Robert said you should kill yourself. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Yo, that kid was two steps ahead of you. He was. And the whole night, me and him were just going, like, back and forth with, like, Robert said jokes. Like, was he just a random kid? Just a random kid. Yeah, I didn't know him. <laughs> Was, wow, you guys made fast friends. He was a baller, though. Yeah. <laughs> and I felt so schooled because he had, like, all of these jokes prepared, and I, yeah. I only had the one. I wasn't expecting I thought he, he was, was just ready. He was ready for someone to say something to him. Yeah. And you he, just happened to fall for it. He knew. Yeah, I fell right into the trap. But, yeah, that's, that's my doll story. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'm sure Robert really liked that. I'm sure he was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. probably. I bet he loved it. It's like chaos ensues around me. Like, shut up, Robert. Sorry, I don't mean it. I don't mean it, Robert. <laughs> You're going to get haunted, dude. I'm already haunted. Period. <laughs> wow. Okay, so we got some creepy doll roommates. Yes. And some so creepy people do roommates. not bring any creepy dolls home. I'm begging of you. I, I won't. be afraid. My mom did just send me a couple pictures of her creepy dolls, though. Do you want to see? I do want to see. <laughs> You know what I realized? <laughs> God. Here are oh a few of them. There, yeah, that one that's sticking its tongue out like it's actually, like it's a lizard. Yeah, she gets them unironically. Swipe, though. There's another one. Jackie, why? <laughs> Jackie, I need you to call and tell me why. <laughs> oh, I'm sure she will. Right Call now. and tell you why. My grandma got me a really creepy puppet when I was younger. And I yeah. think that started my fear of puppets because it was a baby. And the mouth was so much bigger than the rest of its face, which really upsets me whenever Ew. something like that happens. Yeah. And I was terrified of it. So I would always like throw it into the living room or whatever. And I thought it was possessed because my mom would find it in the living room and be like, oh, Jordan lost her doll. And she'd put it back on my bed. 
And I oh. thought that the doll was coming back to my bed. And then when I got older, for some reason, it was still around when I was like late middle school, early high school. Ew. I started trying to get rid of the doll. And I don't know who. I'm pretty sure it was my brother. He kept putting it back. And I know Emma May ended up putting it back in my room as well. <laughs> <laughs> wow. They're all just trying to get you. I know. I've been getting tormented for years now. I wouldn't trust anyone in your household after that. I don't, I don't trust me. Also, I'm just trying to... Oh, wait. I know what I'm doing wrong. Sorry. I'm just trying to log back to the computer. <laughs> Period. Did your mom want to call? Does she want my number? Uh, I can have her call the, the phone. No, but does she want my number? <laughs> <laughs> um, Let's ask her because I'm sure she's going to call right now. Hold okay. on. Let me read the number. All right, mom. <laughs> and I guess anyone else who wants to call in. Um, are you ready for the number? Get your uh, phones out and d ready to dial. <laughs> okay. The number is 617-824-8852. I'll say it again. 617-824-8852. 8852 8, 8, 8, Hello. Me, Colleen. Hello. Hello. Yes. Hi, baby. Hi. <laughs> you summoned me, so here I am. <laughs> so, what do you have to say to the people about your creepy uh, dolls? Well, you know that I also make them. Oh, yeah. And... Yeah. And they are beautiful and <laughs> meek and full of good through their eyes. And that's why I like to balance my dolls. I have the nasty, old, dirty ones <laughs> and, uh -huh. and beautiful ones that I make. And, and they're all in peace. And nobody runs around from room to room, only in your room. Yeah, people do uh, walk around in my room when I'm not there. But it's not the dolls. <laughs> it's yeah, mainly no, the it's tongue the out dolls. for me. Yeah, the, the tongue on that one um, is really creepy. I don't know where you even found that. <laughs> At some sort of uh, habitat restore place. and But uh, also I wanted to say, you know, the dolls, uh, which is very lovely and beautiful, I think, in some uh, native uh, Latin American countries in, in like hundreds and hundreds or thousands, maybe years ago, I don't really know my numbers, they used to bury uh, the kids with their the dolls made like their family, so they're not alone. Oh, that's sweet, actually. <laughs> you have some of those? Three of those, the replica of the burial dolls also. Okay, replicas, because I was going to say, if you went grave digging to get some of those dolls, I would be very disappointed. <laughs> One thing from me, it uh -huh. is so nice to hear you ladies. I am so happy to hear you. <laughs> well, we're happy that you've called in because yeah. you're our number one I, fan. I, I, sure. We missed oh, you. Yes, I am. Be careful. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I'll send you all a big hug and, and uh, go on and, and do great, okay, on your, this semester, okay? We'll try. Thanks for calling talk in. To you soon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> Obsessed with her. <laughs> I know you Maybe are. Maybe we should just give Caroline the boot and 
Bring, <laughs> bring on Jackie. Hire my mom. Yes. I'd <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Bubby. You're out. You, like You've she's been replaced. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she's definitely not listening. <laughs> you know the creepiest doll I've ever seen, though? What? It's called, um, shoot, what's the name? fluffy and it oh resides in your bedroom God. and it's horrifying okay okay enough of the fluffy slander natalia owns this puppet that looks like <laughs> it's been through the garbage disposal multiple times because it has sort of no actually one time it was at bubby's house i was spending the weekend there and i bring fluffy with me everywhere because she's the love of my life and my life companion and um i was sleeping over that weekend obviously and sleeping in, in Bubby's bed with her. Um, and uh, I guess, like, uh, every once in a while, they have, like, cleaners come to the house and just, like, I don't know, clean. <laughs> and um, and Bubby and I were out for the day. And when we come back, I'm like, where's Fluffy? She's nowhere to be found. <gasps> we search all over the house. She's nowhere to be found. And then Bubby looks in the trash. <laughs> And Bubby's in the trash. But Fluffy's in the trash. In the trash. And she has like yogurt on her and stuff. <laughs> this was not even like, this was like two years ago. And I was traumatized. We put her in the in the laundry. Um, I'm just imagining Fluffy popping out of the trash can like Pet cemetery. You know? <laughs> no, because all of a sudden I'm upstairs still looking around in the different rooms. And I just hear like a scream laugh <laughs> from downstairs the, in the kitchen. And, <laughs> and lo and behold, Bubby emerged. You can't get rid of... Uh, sorry, I keep mixing up Bubby and Fluffy. No, Fluffy was the one in the trash. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Fluffy comes back every time. I've had her since I was five years old. She's turning 17 this year. Um, and everyone's anyone who hates on Fluffy is just a hater, period, because... Fluffy is the sweetest, kindest soul ever, and I love her so much, and I take her everywhere with me, and I sleep with her every night, and I'm not ashamed about that. So, I will not be taking any of your doo-doo. All those can be true. (laughs) But she is also (laughs) ugly and horrifying. Look, she's beautiful, first of all. She is, I genuinely think she's really cute, but I think that's just because... I'm her mother. But um look, you know what? Haters gonna hate. Um, you just don't understand beauty and her uniqueness, her courage, her uniqueness, her nerve and her talent. You just don't don't understand. Anyway. You sound um, like me in the first grade with my webkins. Uh yeah. <laughs> I used to collect penguins. That was my thing. I had every penguin stuffed animal you could think of. That makes sense. Yeah, I wasn't loyal. (laughs) (laughs) You had all the penguins up in your bed. I've always been a one. I like them young and fresh. I don't want that old 17-year-old. That stale stale stuffed animal. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Well, on that note, (laughs) we have to let the next radio people in. I guess. Look, I'll just say one more thing. Fluffy's my ride or die, and... If you can't take the heat, get out the kitchen. Let's end this before you get sexual about it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm just passionate. (laughs) Thank you for listening to today's episode, and we will see you guys next week. Yes. Bye-bye.